Game On on 2FM with Green Farm. Being up to 90 isn't real. The protein in our range is Get Real. And a very good evening from Damien O'Mara. You are very welcome to the Friday edition of Game On. We have managed to survive the first week back at work and the weekend is just around the corner. Thank you very much to Jenny and the team for keeping us company over the course of the last couple of hours. Coming up between now and 7 o'clock, we're going to be live shortly to the Connacht GAA Airdome. Uh, Mayo and Galway underway uh, in the Connacht League. Plenty of January transfer window news to chat about. Plenty of speculation, as is always the case. And one or two big deals in the offing as well one in particular courtesy of Aston Villa and Steven Gerrard today 63 caps for Brazil uh, a serial winner played for Barcelona uh, was incredible at Liverpool so I can understand why he's linked to a lot of football clubs um, I don't think you get a nickname as a magician if you're not a special footballer um, so he's someone I've got incredible amounts of respect for Forget about the magician, the Sligo Sorcerer, Alan Cawley's in studio with me to chat about that and much more. Um, Aston Villa fans, did you ever think you'd see the day that a player like Philip Coutinho would be moving from Barcelona on loan with the prospect of being bought out? Uh, yeah, 51552 if you want to get involved in that. Bernard Jackman will be with us to look ahead to Ulster against Munster. Some big news as well today from the EPCR who certainly seem to feel and the indications are it is business as usual for rounds three and four of the uh, Champions and Challenge Cup and in advance of the GAA weekend we're going to hear from Eamon Callaghan ahead of Nace taking on Kilmacud in the AIB Leinster Club Football Final Oh yeah like, like, we, we've lads in we've lads in school uh, if you know doing, doing our leaving cert this year we've uh, three lads in the squad like when I started playing football with Kildare you know back in 2002 like, they weren't even born <laughs> so it's uh, yeah it's kind of strange would the sport be a much better place if these young upstarts didn't come along and make the rest of us feel old? Anyway, all of that to come between now and 7 o'clock. You can text us. Our number is 51552. You can tweet at GameOn2FM. GameOn on 2FM. Alan Cawley, how are you? Evening, Damien. How you're, are you? You're the last person I'm going to wish a Happy New Year to. Okay. Because it's done this now. This is it. We're like 7th of January. It's and many finished. happy returns. Happy birthday. Yes big week it's always this time of year when I come in a couple of days after Christmas my birthday is overlooked but you always remember Damien thank you see do you know what it is empathy is a big thing Alan Mm. my son's birthday is New Year's Day so I live with now granted he's a little bit younger than you but I live with a six year old whose birthday is nearly forgotten because Christmas and everything else I feel his pain Damien I've gone through 40 years of that you know but this year I got well looked after well sure that's the way it should be yeah you know but it is a big one I suppose sure it doesn't cost anything to send you a little text Alan I'm thinking of you you never you never forget that welcome to the 40s you know thank you Uh, we've an awful lot to get stuck into I like we've FA Cup final FA Cup final FA Cup weekend which you know we can hit and miss we're going to have to talk about unrest at Manchester United again Mm mm-hmm Hopefully, like, well, do you know what? The best thing that could happen, I don't mean this now facetiously, is just let United be relegated and we wouldn't have to talk about this for God knows how long. Um, the January transfer window very rarely gets me overly excited. But Coutinho today, like, that's mm. what a what a move. It's absolutely incredible, yeah. It really is. Um, the Stevie G factor, Damien, that's what I'm calling it. And it just goes to show the clout that he has. I suppose the fact that he played with him, he remains in touch with him by all accounts. Um, has I'm sure Coutinho has huge respect for Gerard, and it's a no-brainer if you have a contact like that and you can avail of it. And the fact that he's obviously enough, well, it never really worked out from a Barcelona, and the option was there to take him on loan before you have to commit to buying him. It's a no-brainer, and as you said, jokingly at the at the intro. 
can Aston Villa fans believe the fact that they're signing Coutinho on loan from Barcelona it's incredible but really when you look at like you know there's so much focus on Newcastle they bring in Kieran Trippier like you, you kind of say to yourself Coutinho to Villa is a significantly better signing in my mind than mm. the business Newcastle have done and you know it's brilliant well, Trippy is a right back. Who grows up to be a right back, David? Well, no you know what I mean. Right but like, back. you know, talk like you know, would Newcastle not have gone and? Sorry, like I'm sure they're trying big loan signings. Well, it, if it was ever a thing that the, there was a competition between Newcastle and Villa for Coutinho, Gerard again is the reason he would always pick Villa. I would say, regardless yeah. of money, like money doesn't really come into it with him. Twenty nine after signing for a club for 140 million. So I think it's more a case of obviously, and he is only 29. Damien, it's like, bizarre, isn't yeah. It? bizarre so he he should be at the peak of his powers really and if, if Gerard can get a tune out of him which I think he can because I've been really impressed with Gerard since he's gone in I think he's going to do really really well in his management career I plan to play you this later but I'm going to play it to you now because here is a masterclass in how to deal with media and questions so Gerard yesterday mm-hmm. all this speculation Stephen Philip Coutinho on the way to the club and like bats it away bats it away bats it away but at the same time came out with all these facts and figures off the top of his head about a player that he quite clearly knew was on his way in the door I mean look I just wondered if you can understand the, the level of interest in him because you know him so well you know the qualities he possesses can you understand why so many big clubs are yes 63 caps for Brazil uh, a serial winner played for Barcelona uh, was incredible at Liverpool so I can understand why he's linked to a lot of football clubs I can understand why a lot of supporters up and down the country are speaking about him um, I don't think you get a nickname as a magician if you're not a special footballer um, so he's someone I've got incredible amounts of respect for but I don't want to add to any speculation Why do you think I mean his dream was to play at Barcelona you know about that he's um, a South American player but why do you think it didn't work for him because it's clear, you know, he does want to move away. He won two leagues, two league titles for, for Barcelona. He won two Copa del Reyes. Um, I think if you go and have a look at his wiki page, I think you'll see a serial winner wherever he's been. Um, so I've got nothing but positive, positive things to say about the player. He's a friend of mine. So if I'm asked the questions, I can speak for as long as you want. But if you're trying to link it to any kind of speculation or looking to catch me out, you're in for a long afternoon. He's won 63 caps. He's won this. He's won that. He's won. How many games did you play in the League of Ireland? Close to 200. Yeah, but you see, you don't know the figure. Where Stephen so. Gerrard, off the top of his head, notionally yesterday, tried to convince us all. I can tell you straight away, yeah, 63 Brazilian done. caps. The deal was done. Like I'd say, they're only dotting the eyes, Damien, because once he went in for him, that's what I'm talking about. The the impact it's the Gerard's had. It's picking up the phone yeah, and to ringing. a friend. Yeah. To a friend. He's not picking up to a player that he he doesn't know. He's picking it up to a friend. How he affixed, How he getting on. He's obviously stayed in touch with him while he was maybe at Rangers and throughout the Barcelona days as well. So. I'd say this was in his mind before he even got the job of Villa that there may be an option to get Coutinho. We're going to chat about that more and the transfer windows in general in a second. If you were to do one of those word maps of everything we've talked about over the course of the week, Novak and Djokovic would be the two words that have been used most on this programme since Tuesday. And I would argue somewhere just after Novak Djokovic would be Air Dome Conic GAA mm-hmm. because never has an inanimate object captured the public's attention like the Connacht Airdome has over the course of the last week and there's uh, action ongoing as we speak Mayo against Galway is underway and enjoying the Connacht Airdome is Angelina Nugent Hi Angelina 
Hi, Damien. I actually said a little earlier, I'm too warm. Have you ever heard those words uttered in January before uh, when someone's been watching a pre-season game? But uh, that's the Connacht GA Air Dome for you. Um, my first experience of an inter-county game at it. And it certainly lived up to expectations so far. Very fast-paced game. 11 minutes gone here at the NUI Galway Connacht GA Air Dome. And it's three points apiece between Mayo and Galway. Uh, Desi Keneally is just after kicking the equalising free for Galway as you came over to us uh, and that was when Porik O'Hora was shown a black card for a challenge uh, in the last couple of moments as well. Uh, Fergal Boland opened the scoring for Mayo with a good score from play, a fisted point. Sam Callanan, a debutant for them this evening at corner back, got the second point of the game. Damien Comer and Robert Finnerty uh, levelled proceedings at two points apiece after four minutes and Finnon Duffy and as I said Desi Keneally swapping scores in an evenly matched contest to leave at three points apiece with that 11 minute mark surpassed here in the first half. A number of debutants on both teams this evening. For Mayo, uh, Donica McHugh and Sam Callanan in the full back line. Frank Irwin in the half forward line. And Justin Healy, Finon Duffy and Jack Mahan in the full forward line. All debutants for Mayo this evening. That full forward line causing many a discussion over the last number of years of course. For Galway, Connor Flaherty in goal. Sean Fitzgerald at full back. Niall Daly at midfield and Cormac McWalter at half forward. All debutants for them this evening. And uh, it's an interesting game. Very fast pace, as I said, in Galway, as I speak, have just taken the lead in this encounter. Uh, they've gone four points to three up and we're hitting about the 12-minute mark at this point in the first half of this FBD Connacht Football League semi-final, Damien. Angelina, it's, I know I'm, I'm kind of slightly tongue-in-cheek that it's been the most discussed thing in Irish sport over the course of the week, but your, your initial impressions, having seen the plans, having followed the stories, to actually be there, what do you make of it as a facility? Oh, it's absolutely incredible, Damien. Like, it has to be seen to be believed. And I know that can sometimes be the cliche when developments like this are unveiled um, at inter- you know, at, at, in any county or in any part of, of the country. But once you're standing inside it, I was here um, one Saturday evening about a month ago for my first time. Um, and, I, you know, to stand in the middle of it and see this massive facility uh, that you can play an inter-county game, colleges game, you know, there's been a few of those at such a fast pace, under lights, in any sort of conditions, is just incredible. I mean, it has to be seen to be believed, as I've said. Um, you know, the lighting, the temperature can be controlled. Um, I know one small critique that the only critique I could hear this evening from photographers who've been here is that sometimes the photography is a little bit difficult because everything is so even you don't have the elements to contend with but when you're standing inside and you see this game going ahead and you know that you know we had a little bit of snow here in the west or in parts of the west last night this game may not have gone ahead in normal circumstances well you know you're not destroying pitches you're not cutting up pitches that need this time maybe to recover from a hectic club season that's not too long over so it's just for Fantastic, And I mean, it really was a, an idea born here by John Prenti and Cahill Craig and, and Connacht Council. And they've seen it through to fruition. And it's certainly, it's, it's, it's a fantastic facility and it will stand the test of time. And I, I think you'll see many more things, hopefully, when I don't want to mention COVID so early in the new year. But when the pandemic is lifted, even for indoor events, you know, it, I think the, the, the possibilities are endless, to be completely honest, Damien. Angelina, I think this is absolutely fantastic. And I would love if the different organisations could come together and and maybe in some way in the future that you would have one of these for maybe the soccer people and obviously rugby or GR or you could all link it all together in that western region and they could all share it I think it's brilliant but one thing that I'm curious about and you said you have to see it to believe it how high is the roof and if you're playing Gaelic can the ball actually hit the roof? (laughs) 
Well, you know something, I haven't seen it. Well, Damien Comer's gone fairly close there now to hitting the roof. He's kicked it wide, but he didn't strike the roof. But uh, actually, he hasn't kicked it wide. He's put over a fantastic point as we speak, Alan. But back to your point, uh, one of the journalists told me here a little bit earlier that the ball did hit the roof here on Monday night. Uh, Leitrim, of course, played Sligo here on Monday night um, in the preliminary round. And there was a ball that hit the roof. But um, I think, you know, they, they played on, it came back off it. It's, it ricocheted back off it and the game continued. But it's an interesting one. Now, the roof is it's, it's extremely high and useless at judging distances. Tw- 26 metres, apparently. Oh, good man, Damien. Thank I, you. I, you have your research. I, uh, no, I, I frantically Googled it while Alan was asking the questions. <laughs> if I just, I'm thinking back good to man, indoor Damien. football when we were at school or in a hall or whatever. If it hits the roof, you just play yeah. on. But I think this facility and the way you described it, Angelina, I think it's brilliant that the games are being played, as you say, this time of year. I know in Scandinavia, these things are really big in terms of soccer for young lads, not only playing matches, but training facilities as well. So I would love to think this could take off and we could have more of these around the country. And I'm, well, we're going to come back I to you over the course of the programme, Angelina, but I I'm told the running cost is in the hundreds of euros a day. Now, I don't know. How, like yeah, it, I've, it, I've no reason it, to it doubt the person who told me that. Say that sorry, Angelina, no, say that again. It absolutely has to be. I totally agree with that because if you even, I mean, it's all pressurised. Um, the evening I was here when there was no match, there were actually the Sligo Hurlers, I think, were training that evening, but um, there was no game ongoing. But, you know, it's all pressurised. It's controlled at various intervals by by pressures. Um, and, and you have the lighting cost, you know, the, the air cost. So I would imagine it's hundreds of euro, um, you know, in, in very small spaces of time. But but you know, you by by the same token, you see the sponsorship deal that Connacht Council have agreed uh, with NUI Galway for for the naming rights of it. Um, you know, this, this game is being live streamed this evening by Connacht GA, and I know that went extremely well for the Monday evening. I've no doubt this evening will as well. So you know, they're offsetting it that way, and I know that the interest from teams right across the spectrum has been incredible. So lots of teams are using it for training, they're using it for pre-season, all of that. And and to Alan's point, I think that's a very interesting one. And I think you know, with the foresight that Connacht Council have shown with this project and with the way they deal with things in general I can see you know in the future definitely this could be used for far more than, than just Gaelic games if, if agreement could be reached and uh, because uh, the, the point about Finland I know that John Printy told me a few weeks ago that they had actually himself and Cahill Craig at the very beginning of this idea travelled to Finland to see something similar so that, that's Alan's point borne out there um, it, they're, they're, they're used there very frequently for sport and to, to keep um, sport going I suppose when there's inclement weather conditions and that so it's look it's, it's a fantastic facility it's one that I I think we'll see lots of use uh, for various teams across various disciplines over the next number of years and you know um, hopefully we'll see more than just one but it's great that Connacht GA have led the way and, and they're getting lots of plaudits for it and they thoroughly deserve all of them because even the layout here this evening you know the, the, the stewards the way the media have been laid out they can't do enough for you so it, look at it it's a fantastic facility to have on our doorstep Before we let you go what's the latest score? So it's just at the water break and nearly forgot there was a match on going there. <laughs> <laughs> you and me both. Five points to three. Five, yeah, yeah. Five points to three at the first water break. They're just about to resume. Galway lead. Uh, Desi Keneally with that free. Uh, they kicked a point while, when you just came over to us. And Damien Comer kicked that monster that I thought he was hitting the roof with and, and declared it a wide. But uh, he actually kicked it over. So the Anna down forward uh, so far has been on song this evening. So it's Galway leading five points to three and they're just about to resume after the water Angelina break. Nugent, thank you very much for that. That's uh, Angelina at the NUIG Galway Connacht Air Dome. I think it's brilliant. I think it's, and you know what? We had column keys on the programme last night. People laughed at this when they talked about let's build a massive air dome. Like it is an unbelievable facility. Mm. And I've made the counterpoint I made the point last night that 
you know, there's a wry smile about like what are these lads up to building like a you know modified bouncy castle they're going to play GAA matches in. Like the Irish rugby team train in a very similar indoor facility. Now it's not an air dome, but you know they beat New Zealand before Christmas and nobody's taking the mick out of them. So fair play to the ambition and fair play to everyone involved. Well, that's exactly it. Like sometimes we have such a defeatist attitude when people come to, I suppose. Just when, you, when you're thinking of plans, Damien, you should always think big like that. And the fact that those people obviously went over to Finland as well, I think it's brilliant from their point of view because <clears throat> it's definitely a case of, obviously with the weather conditions and the winters that we have, mm. you go you go around Scandinavia. I know Angelina mentioned Finland there, Iceland, all over the place, Norway. These things are all over the place in terms of facilities for young kids, playing football, training, whatever the case may be. So if it's something that can take off, and I'd love to see that shared vision on it, yeah. whether that'll happen, because I know in terms of the GA and the soccer coming together or rugby, we're not the best at that in this country. But certainly in, in a situation like this, if it can be shared around, I think it would be brilliant. Now, back to the soccer. Uh, we've a text into 51552 from Paul and Ennis Grone. Can you ask Alan if Celtic is a good move for Johnny Kenny? This hasn't been confirmed. Mm. The expectation is it's a done deal. There's a 150 grand release clause. He's on his way to Celtic Park. Um, you can't, like, phenomenal young player has been brought through by Sligo Rovers, has made a real impact in the Premier Division of the SSE or Tristy League, having been the star turn in the underage leagues in the last couple of years. But... How difficult is it to break through at Celtic? Yeah, and I'm glad you added that. But I've been toying with this all week, Damien, because firstly, I'm delighted for Johnny because he's a great lad, but not only Johnny himself, the young lad, more so for his, his dad, who's Johnny also, and his mum, they're a great family, lovely family. So in terms of the news from them, and I suppose uh, how excited they must be, I think it's brilliant for them and for young Johnny. The option on the table... Obviously, we're told it's Celtic and it looks like it's a done deal, but a couple of weeks back, he went to visit Hibs as well and it looked like there was a possibility he might be going there. If you're looking from a football point of view, Damien, would Hibernian be a better move for him just from the point of view of would he have a better chance of playing? You'd be inclined to think so. I would think absolutely, and that would have been the move I would have made. But unless he's getting... Who's going to give assurances to a 19-year-old? But in terms of the deal itself, unless, unless it's really good for him, but... The question I would ask of a 19-year-old going away at the moment, and especially he's only had one season here, Damien, is he needs to be playing, you have to be playing. There's no point in him going over to Scotland and getting caught up in a reserve team league or an under-23 team league or whatever the case may be. If there was um, a situation in place where he goes to Celtic and they loan him back here for a season, I don't know if that's a possibility, mm. or to send him out on loan, I think that might be good for him. But if the option was just purely between Celtic and Hibs, I probably would have chose Hibs. Um from a football point of view people listening up and down the country will know of the affinity that Ireland has with Celtic and the draw of Celtic but give me the Sligo perspective on Celtic because there is such a level of pride carried around the town in not just the heritage that exists with people that have represented the club and mm. been part of the club from that part of the world but even just the very fact that it's a Sligo man who founded the club yeah well you go back to Brother Walford and Sean Fallon you go Sean back, Fallon yeah, yeah like, you go back through all the history I mean it's phenomenal really and the links that and like Sean bus loads of people every week who leave mm. Sligo to go to get the ferry across yeah and even in more recent times we've had Willie McStay and there's a huge link there when Willie was the manager and, um, and he obviously played at Celtic his brother Paul as well so there's huge links with Celtic I think that's how this has come about because because Johnny, Johnny's dad, 
who's also Johnny would have played under Willie and when the links obviously were happening and when Johnny was doing really well Willie came to watch him there was obviously a relationship there with his dad as well in terms of Willie speaking to him because I know the family weren't too keen on the fact of him going across the water unless it was the right move they felt for him and I'm sure they would have felt there's there's a lot of comfortability around the fact that they know Willie McStay really well and they know that he'd be looked after mm. in Celtic so I'm sure there were, there were that was a big kind of advantage for Celtic as well to have that connection it's a massive thing for, for the town as well I think for young Johnny but he, he's only had one season Damien he's only had one season people have to remember that he's a young kid if people think he's going to go to Celtic and he's going to star in the first team and rip it up it's not going to happen Like yet. Liam Scales has been remarkably lucky well, Liam to Scales get... is three or four years older than Yeah him, I know but even the progress he's made in a very very short period of time yeah, but I always felt Liam, Liam is at the stage where he played here for three or four years. He's more mature going over. Mm. I, st- I still view Johnny as a kid. And there's a big ju- there's a big difference, Damien, in going at 19 and going at maybe 22, 23. I agree, yeah. You know, so, and that's not to take away from it at all. It's a brilliant move for him. And if, it, and if it goes through, which it looks like it will, I wish him all the best and I'm delighted for him. But just in terms of the football inside of things and his development, I would have thought Hibernia might have been a better move because he has a better chance of going there and playing. Yeah, I would agree. And there's so many Irish players who've gone to Celtic over the last couple of years who've languished out on loan and everything else. Anyway, we wish him well. We do wish him Remarkably well. solid young lad at the back of it all. And uh, yeah, great to see. So come here, let's go back. Transfer window. We've kind of put Coutinho to bed. Remarkable bit of business by Villa. Um, Newcastle, like, is Kieran Trippier the type of player who's going to come in the door and is certainly suddenly going to motivate a load of other big names to come in along the way probably not and again it's back to the Eddie Howe connection this is a guy who wanted to come back to England and he's come back to a manager who had a very significant impact on his career yeah exactly and there's a, there's a lot to be said for that like you mentioned there a bit, great bit of business by Villa it's a great bit of business by Gerard. it's not Villa like you know it comes down to that really and as you say Eddie Howe bringing Trippier back there's a relationship already there from previous times so that's a that's a massive advantage as well will Trippier kind of be the fella that will kickstart all the signings I don't think so no. Damien and I'm sure they're looking around at the moment Newcastle but who do you get and who's available we all know to have the funds but in terms of who wants to go to Newcastle to fight a relegation battle at the moment I'm not so sure I'd be a bit more optimistic about them the last couple of weeks I think their performances have been a bit more improved but they're still in a serious dogfight and because of the takeover and I've been consistent on this since it happened I'd love to see them be relegated I'm not a fan of that takeover at all I think think there's very few people outside of Newcastle who are but you you look at it like I I certainly was surprised looking at the league table during the week I didn't realise that you know how just how tight it is down the bottom Mm. you've Norwich on 10 points Newcastle 11 points Burnley 11 points Watford 13 points Leeds 19 so it's like going to be one of those sorry three of those are going to go down Burnley have two games in hand if they can get some points like anyone down there gets a run of form you're, you're going to escape danger or difficulty quickly enough who goes down at the moment Norwich yeah, I, I'm agree. They're gone. Uh, yeah. Burnley. I'd be worried for Burnley this year. Are we, for the first time. Are we going to agree here? So we've two of the three we've agreed on. And Newcastle. I'd be inclined to say Newcastle, but you look at Watford's run of form. Mm. Like, um, you know. And I would nearly flip flop Watford with Burnley purely for the fact that Dyche has been there, done it over the last number of years, and they'll always pull out a result. Mm. But I have been worried about their form in recent weeks. Okay. Um, FA Cup weekend. Mm. Um, it's very difficult to get overly excited about an awful lot of these. And when you look at it, it's the fact that COVID is um, playing such an impact on games, has dominated it. Like Swindon, Man City tonight 
you know all the players Man City are missing they could put their kids out you would imagine and they'll get a result against Swindon with apologies to Swindon fans listening in there's not an awful lot of games like the, the one to get excited about over the weekend is Man United Aston Villa on Monday that's going to be a cracker and I'd fancy Villa. <laughs> so would I. United are desperate. How long am I saying this? I come out. Come here. Let's let's open up the can of worms here. We need to open up we're, the can of worms. The new be, year. Let's gonna be, go. We're going to be here all night. I've been chatting today. We have a little WhatsApp group with with lads that you would know, sporting figures. Let's just say, but love the soccer. They don't necessarily play soccer, but love their soccer, right? And you have the debates and the chats around the football, like all mates have. I've come out with a bold statement during the week, right? It's not like you. Go on. <laughs> It's five years since United have won a trophy. Coming up to five years. It's eight since Ferguson is gone, I think. Yeah. And I think Man United could go through the next 25 years like what Liverpool did for 30 years. I was about to say to you, and I thought you'd laugh at me. I was going to say, as God or whoever it is you believe in is my witness, on the 7th of January 2022, I think United will go longer than Liverpool before winning the top flight of English football. I believe this. I really do believe this. And you this. know, even even a minor thing, like, come here, I feel sorry in a way for Ralph Raniak because he's come in, it's an absolute cluster, you know what, of a club. But he was the wrong appointment. But sure, who else was there? Conte how did they not go for Conte it's, because it's sorry me. because the man at the very top of the organisation Ed Woodward who will mm-hmm. depart in a couple of weeks time mm-hmm. is the wrong man to be running the football well, club we know that, but, but, but sorry just let me finish before you agree with me um, like the, 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 at, the, at its core here right and we can be romantic and we can be philosophical no, and we no can talk romance. we can talk about winning trophies and the glory of Man United. This is a cash machine for a family living in America mm. who don't give mm. a, they don't care yeah. where United are once the share price is where it is. And if you look at the Man United website, mm. they're falling down with official shinpad partners and official wine and official this. Like they've got I was gonna say ludicrous partnerships. But it's just a commercial entity. Mm. And I think it's largely irrelevant. Not Maybe not largely irrelevant, but I, I, are you telling me the Glazers are in Florida or wherever it is they're based and are looking at it going, we're not going to qualify for the Champions League? That's a no, massive problem. I agree with every word that you just said, and that's the problem. They've gone you've, you've softened in your 40s. We used to have a row. We, we'd be having a row here last no. year. They've gone from a club who, when Alex Ferguson was there, all that was the, the only concern was what was going on the pitch and the next match and what trophy they were targeting and what they were going to win to the complete opposite and that's my point Damien about everything that you say about the owners they don't care so now they're more concerned about what's going on off the pitch on the pitch is an absolute shambles now but when they could have made the right appointment to maybe shake things up because this pl- they, this bunch of players are an absolute disgrace as well and when you hear the stories that are coming out now with this new manager it's toxic and there was only one man that may have gone in there to shake things up and to, to do the job that was needed in terms of basically kicking a few backsides that was Conte Ralph Ragnick is coming in and he's supposed to be going upstairs in six months he's not going to ruffle any feathers while he's the manager there if he's walking up to a job in six months to to sit on his backside for two years but can I ask you another question have you seen in Conte at Spurs what you're saying he would have done at United 100% despite what happened the other night look come here Jesus it was like ragball rovers the other night I was I go back to the game where Nuno got sacked yeah and I came in here on the Monday night and I says I was here I actually said Spurs the players and I I, it's, it's wrong to say about players not trying because that's the worst insult you could throw the player but Ndombele was an absolute disgrace what I saw that mm. day and there was a few others as well since Conte has gone in them you look at the bounce he's got from them and it's purely because of the demands he puts on them now 
granted the other night against Chelsea I agree they were very very poor very poor Chelsea were good but Spurs were very very um, poor but he would have shaken things up not Ralph Ragnick I'm gonna sorry. I wanna. I'm gonna write down Matt Doherty because I want to talk to you about Matt Doherty in a second. But before we finish on United, um, like it's it's got to kind of almost comical levels now, where like the picture of them walking out the other night, where Terrible. ten of the eleven look like they don't want to be there, and the only one who looks anyway enthusiastic <laughs> is Phil Jones, who hadn't played in was it like 712 days or something, who then was the victim of the most scurrilous piece of social media. Do you see Talksport's tweet about him afterwards? No. And it was basically I like wouldn't. United lose because flop. Phil. I'm gonna have to find the tweet, but it's basically like all put on his shoulders. Don't give that talk Talksport any oxygen because th- some of the stuff that's on that is just yeah anyway come here the thing that really got me during the week was this report of the players wanting to leave the club 17 is a very specific number <laughs> <laughs> like like I'd love to know like this is if this is true right and a paper never refused ink and we're all we're all honest enough and realistic to know that in the media not everything you read or hear is accurate unless you hear it here on RTE obviously you know sports department whatever else in case the boss is listening um, but it was almost as if somebody went along the squad list and went sorry David De Gea happy unhappy unhappy grad uh, happy, uh, 17 yeah, where do you pluck 17 what out? a specific number it's a mess it really is but I'm saying this Damien for two or three years now now I'm gonna and this is my point about the statement 30 years I'm going I'd agree with you now um, uh, I'm going to leave it on this in hindsight, mm. Alex Ferguson was even more brilliant a manager than he's given credit for because what he won in the latter stages of his time there against the backdrop of mismanagement mm. was phenomenal. Yeah, but he's the greatest ever. He's no Jurgen Klopp. <laughs> right. Um, um, ever. Matt Doherty. Yeah. We talked during the week about players in need of a move and I never mentioned Matt Doherty. Mm. He looked like a broken man playing for Spurs the other night, albeit being played out of position. Left wing back, but then to take him off at half time as well, so his confidence. That's, that's the ultimate. Like, that's getting the, the other fellow on the far side is... Uh, He's not pulling up any trees, Emerson Royale, but they obviously paid money for him in, in the off-season. So I think Conte is just sizing these fellas up, Damien. Mm. I don't think Conte would have taken that job knowing what he knew and that squad of players unless he was given assurances that come January he can spend. And there's talk that Daniel Levy is in the States talking to the majority shareholder about potentially more investment and money in January yeah, they'll sign they'll yeah. sign fellas um, I think Conte that's the United should have went for Conte I can't believe they didn't go for him It's reported today that Zinedine Zidane has done a deal with Paris Saint-Germain to become their manager at the end of the season which would free up Maurizio Pochettino notionally I'm playing fantasy football here if you were Maurizio Pochettino would you bother your backside going into United at the minute? No because if he didn't take it over the last two years every chance he had why would he go in now when it's a mess? Yeah we've put all that to bed now that's a good I, I feel like is this is almost been the end of season yeah well sure come here do you believe that Zidane has gone anywhere Zidane I was looking at his record earlier like a couple of the leagues three Champions Leagues mm. you know when you look at his Wikipedia page and his honours as a player I swear to God if you printed it out it would take six or seven pages like it's just like as a player or manager oh like FIFA team of the year this team of the year that team of the year this goal of the year this whatever else wouldn't you love to see him go to Newcastle and just see just show us how good you are it's one thing to manage Real Madrid, right? Yeah, but that, I, I don't agree with that argument that, oh, just because you're with Real Madrid and he still had to win three Champions Leagues back to back. I'm not, I'm, I'm just, just asking I, a question. I, that's like saying with Guardiola, like people say the same, oh, Guardiola looked at the best players to spend all the money. Look at the way they play and how they're coached. How would he do it in, would he, would he do it managing Stoke on a wet Tuesday night? That, this, that's a nonsense argument because he's never going to take over Stoke, is he? Mm. You're, no. the, reason he's, the reason he's managing the best players is because he's the best manager. 
Right. Oh, we're not, I'm not disagreeing with you. So, this argument, and I hate the way people then turn around and uh, that's the stick to beat them with. Do you know uh, what? Oh, well, it's easy, man, it's Real Madrid. We got, to, we got to 6.34 without having a row, and now I've annoyed you. No, you haven't annoyed me. I'm happy. 51552 for your texts. At Game On 2FM, look at us on Twitter. We have a break to take, and we're back after this. With Green Farm. Being up to 90 isn't real. The protein in our range is get real. Game on on 2FM. You've had serious correspondence from friend of the show. A friend of the show, friend of both of ours, Damien, yes. My favourite member of Westlife. <laughs> Shane's my Shane's no, I'm only joking, Nicky, I'm only joking. <laughs> I'm only joking. Very quickly. He very knows quickly. I'm joking. No, he's just making the point. He thinks Newcastle will win the Premier League before Man United. Now that now I'm making a bold statement, but that is some statement, Nicky. See. Do you know what the problem is? Nicky's too much fake tan around him with Dancing with the Stars starting back. But t- here's point. one that he... That is, it next, is it this weekend? It is this weekend. Here's another thing, and he brings up a good... Well, it's a good debate and a good talking point because you look... At the moment, the players... And the one thing we always talk about is Ferguson and Clough and all those brilliant managers, but they're ruled with an iron fist and there was a fear factor and the demands. And I'm always talking about this, Damien, even with Conte. He's making the point that nowadays, obviously, the managers can't do that because they're afraid. But... You look at Tuchel, what he did last week, but the reason Tuchel did that with Lukaku as well is because him, Klopp, Guardiola, they make the demands. And if you're not if you're not prepared to go along with what they're demanding, they'll run you out the door. And that's the way it should be. Give it to Louis Walsh till the end of the season. Nicky will tell you all about that. Right, let's um, move on. We're going to talk uh, Gaelic games ahead of the AIB Leinster Club football final, which takes place this weekend. Uh, earlier, I caught up with an ace captain, Eamon Callaghan, ahead of the game against Kilmacud Croaks. It takes place Crow Park uh, tomorrow, 5 o'clock. See the Kildare Champions take on the Dublin Champions. The game set to be broadcast live on RT2. Game on. Gaelic football. Can you give me a little bit of insight? I, I presume you're still living close enough to the homeland itself. The, the level of expectation must be uh, through the roof in terms of uh, the opportunity that presents itself tomorrow evening. Yeah, it, yeah, there is, I suppose. And um, yeah, like, look, living in the town um, and the excitement has been building, I think, uh, since the, the before the county final, really. Um, and that was the, obviously our first one in, 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 in such a long time that... Uh, you know, people went a bit crazy and went a bit mad, but um, yeah, no, it's, there's a great buzz around the place, and you know, the, the Leinster games after that uh, have just been the same. You know, um, every two weeks we've, we've, we've played games, and it, there's always a, a great buzz around when uh, coming up to match day. So, um, yeah, for a Leinster final, it's going to be uh, extra special as well. How do you balance that though? Because you, you've alluded to it there, the the county championship win a couple of weeks ago was the first since 1990. The previous one to that was 1932. So this is a new experience for the players. It's a new experience for an awful lot of the people involved with the club. So is there a balancing act between staying focused on the job at hand, but also enjoying what you hope won't be, but could be a once in a lifetime opportunity? Yeah, and that's it. And I, th- I think um, from a player's point of view, you kind of have to realise that uh, you can't get too um, you can't get too much involved in, in in everyone else's excitement and the supporters and the people around the town who are obviously over the moon about uh, you know what's happened over the last few months. But at the same time, um, we've had to kind of just stay focused um, and keep our heads down and train away the way we always have been. And in fairness, we have done that. Um, but we're still enjoying that at the same time. Uh, it, it, it was great after the uh, after the county final that um, 
once we enjoy that we enjoy those that, that week or two after um, it's been great to kind of get back into the routine of playing games and um, we, we've just been focusing on each game hmm. and luckily uh, we've we've made our way to Crow Park and, and, and into a Leinster final which is uh, you know, which is which, which is massive for the club and, and, and it's, it's big for the town as well I was looking back at some of the match reports from the county final and one of them I'm not sure which, which newspaper it was but they'd used the picture of you standing over where the dressing rooms are um, in Newbridge I think it was the moment just before you were presented with the trophy and, and I'm wondering to myself for you, that must be up there with the, the finest moments in your Gaelic football career to to win silverware with the club and to be the captain of the club having had such a illustrious and long-running career in that jersey. Yeah, I couldn't believe it really. Um, it, it was, I remember standing up, going up the steps and standing up there in the pit like... It felt like I was up there for an eternity. I was just kind of standing up there looking over, <laughs> looking over the pitch and there was a... There was crowd, all the, all the nice crowd on the pitch, and um, I just uh, like I, I can't really. It's hard to describe what I was feeling, but um, I never, never, never thought I'd be the one standing up there. Um, you know, I, I knew we had uh, a lot of things going for us. You know, with, with, with the underage work that was done over the years, um, and I knew there was a good, uh, a good batch of players coming through. But I, I didn't think I would be. Um, Standing up there, accepting the cup, uh, you know, on their behalf. Never mind, uh, you know. So it was, it was, it was just a surreal experience. And it's, it's a straight. Well, I, was, I don't want to say it's a strange bunch, but it's a fairly diverse squad that you're a part of as well. And and you and I are of a similar vintage, and we are both of an age that we could literally be fathers to some of the lads that you're talking out with. Oh yeah, like we, we've lads in, we've lads in school. Uh, you know, doing doing their leaving cert this year, we've uh, three lads in the squad who are doing their leaving cert and. Um, like when I started playing uh, football with Kildare, um, you know, back in 2002, like they weren't even born. <laughs> so it's uh, yeah, it's kind of strange to be uh, playing with them and training with them. Like and um, yeah, it's kind of a different. There's, there's a there's definitely a different dynamic in the squad, but uh, yeah, it's kind of it's it's funny. So, what expectation falls upon your shoulders then in a week like this to to maybe make sure the heads are in the right place or to pass on some little bit of advice for fellas who, you know, started the year that they couldn't have dreamt of playing under lights in Crow Park on a Saturday evening with a Leinster title on the line. Yeah, like it's 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 been the same kind of um, the same approach for every game we've had. You know, in fairness uh, to the lads, like they've. Everything that's been asked of them, um, you know, we, you know, they've, they've done it. Um, they're used to winning um, at underage levels, and, and in, 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 with their school team, they've been very, uh, very competitive over the last couple of years. Um, so we, we've just been taking every game. Uh, we haven't really changed anything in the build-up. Um, they're, they're well. Like, I, I think most of them have even played in Crow Park as well. So um, for the lads who didn't play in Crow Park, you know, got their chance in the semi-final, which is great, mm. and. That is, um, it's important. I think going into the next day, that they'll have that kind of uh, little bit of nerves or little bit of tension that they would have had playing in Crow Park is, is hopefully out of the way now, and we can uh, kind of concentrate on, on on the game again. Yeah, but just how important is that? Because people will always talk about the the logistics of a much bigger pitch and the impact that has on players physically and, and mentally. But just a simple thing when when you know Crow Park is is the be all and end all for a, a player's career to play at the home of the GAA and just a simple thing to, to know where the dressing rooms are to know what the tunnel is like to get that sense of novelty out of the way in advance of the final that you don't spend 15 or 20 minutes looking around you taking it all in when the business comes tomorrow evening yeah that, like, that, that's massive and it's a massive part of it um, 
I suppose not, not even the, game, the match itself and the, the size of the pitch and that it's the whole venue the whole the surroundings um, the build up not even uh, like when you're going out to warm up and stuff on Crow Park it's it's the whole build up and the expectation during the week before if you don't know what, what to expect but you know going up on the bus and waiting driving in underneath the with the music on the last day and um, getting to walk out on the pitch you know and walk around for you know for 10 minutes before, before you warm up and just the different little things that lads wouldn't have wouldn't have seen before and it definitely does affect you I know myself uh, from years ago when I, when I first played up there it has a massive impact on um, your your nerves and your tension and you know your, your legs as well so mm. um, it, 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 it was great to get the semi-final but you know uh, Coastal had the same had the same experience and uh, you know, so it's the same for both teams, but it was it was great to get to to get to get a game up there. Yeah, it's been the most bizarre of seasons. Um, you know, an awful lot is. I, I know there's probably an interview you don't do an interview that doesn't discuss, no doubt, the the change of management midway through the the county championship in advance of the final. You know, factoring COVID, factoring everything else that's gone on, you couldn't have dreamt starting out at the start of the year that this is where you'd find yourself in January of 2022. Yeah, no, it, it's it's crazy, and um, you know, even even when uh, we went when we um, when Old Oil kind of when set in there that time, like we, we were kind of just looking very short term. Obviously, you know, we we, we had a game, we had a county semi final to prepare for that weekend, uh, the following weekend, and then we obviously had just a two week break to, to the county final, and um, I don't think I don't think we really ever imagined that uh, we'd be still training and still playing football in the new year after Christmas, you know, so. Mm-hmm. Uh, what turned out like it was supposed to be a short term thing, it just extended on. But we're obviously not complaining um, about it. But it's, it's, it, is, it is very enjoyable, um, you know, in the circumstances. And even like with COVID and stuff, even recently, it's been uh, tricky enough. But um, we, we've kind of had to deal with that all year round, anyway. And even in the preseason last year, so we're kind of well used to uh, those kind of obstacles, you know. But um, yeah. Yeah, but it's even even on the the change of management and the focus that brings, does that bring an added pressure to to justify those decisions or those changes along the way, or is there just a freedom that you've got to a point now at which yeah, even the county final? I, th- I think you'd probably accept you probably went into it as underdogs, and people saw it as somewhat of a surprise. That is the pressure. The only pressure that really exists now is the pressure that you put upon yourselves to do justice in terms of performances. Yeah, yeah. Like, look, it's kind of player led, you know. But own as a manager and the rest of us, really, um, just driving things on the way we we normally would. Um, we didn't really change. I suppose the most, the, the biggest pressure that we've faced, I think, was the semi final. And um, you know, our first game against Manute, we we um, we we only had a week uh, preparation for that. Like, and that was there was a lot of pressure in that game because um, look, the players had to had to step up, and we did uh, in fairness, but. Uh, the county final was it. We're kind of into our back into the swing of things by the county final. Um, in terms of our training and our preparation, uh, we haven't really changed anything. So uh, that's, that's the way it's been since. Mm. So it hasn't been a huge, uh, a huge change. In fairness. Okay. How big a challenge awaits then in the the form of Kilmacud? Oh yeah, it's, it's like a massive. It's a massive game for us. Um, obviously, we're, it's our first time. You know, in a Leinster final, we we uh, Nays haven't won a, a Leinster match before this year, let, let alone be in the final. But. Um, yeah, like they, they'll have um, they'll have plenty of advantages over us. You know, they've been here before. Um, even the the route to getting getting here has been you know tough. Like, like getting out of Dublin is obviously the most competitive uh, championship in the country. And um, I think I think Dublin teams have won six out of the last eight um, Leinster championships. You know, so like it's it's it's, it's going to be a massive uh, challenge for us. Um, like again, all, all we can do is really prepare as well as we can. Um, 
try and uh, try and make sure we're 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 in the game and we we can kind of put our best foot forward to be to be competitive in the match and mm. yeah you never know what can happen but um, yeah like look at we we've we'll we uh, we'll, we'll have a go anyway and see see where it takes us. Yeah, I I um I covered a couple of the Cluck Balakala games in the hurling championship, and you know for them the same situation. First time the club had ever won a game in the Leinster Championship, and it was unbelievable to see what it meant to people from a, a club of two hundred and fifty, three hundred people. Like ultimately, when the dust settles, you are part of the group that has made history for the club and and do you get a sense of what that means to people particularly maybe the older generation you know fellas significantly older than you who are around the club who probably never dreamt of seeing something like this yeah and it, I, I definitely do see it myself you know and I'm sure the lads do as well like when we're you know, even just going downtown or walking around and bumping into people over the Christmas there and um, like everyone's talking about it everyone's kind of wishing us the best of luck and you know, it, and it's great to see like like that that it has that kind of effect on uh, on so many people, and it's the, it's the first time we've ever experienced that as, as footballers in a. So it's um, yeah, it's it, it's definitely um, you know, it's it, it, it's a nice feeling, you know, and it's it, it's good that people are are getting involved and talking about nice football. Um, but at the same time, we we we've been fairly focused as players to try not not get too distracted by that, and um, just to keep keep try, try keep winning matches and try and keep this thing going because obviously. And um, this is probably a once in a lifetime opportunity. Um, so, like, we have to kind of realise where we are as well, and try and you know take this opportunity while we have it. Because just never know what's what's around the corner next mm. year or the next five or ten years. Eamon, wish you well. I, I hope the the occasion, the final delivers the, the result. It is you most deserve. Thanks so much for being with us, and good luck over the weekend. Thanks very much. With Green Farm, your rise and grind isn't real. Our protein is get real. And you're very welcome back to the programme. Unsurprisingly, when they put Alan and I into a confined space, we get talking and we're miles over on time. So we're going to chat rugby very briefly with Bernard Jackman. Bernard, how are you? Good, thanks, Damien. We'll get straight down to business. Munster against Ulster, the URC derby this weekend. And in light of how things have gone for Munster in recent weeks, this almost feels like a referendum on the coaching staff. And, and serious questions being asked now about where Munster go between here and season's end. Yeah, I'd expect a big reaction from Munster. Obviously, it's been a difficult week for them. Um, it was the manner of the defeat more so than the results, which um, I think has has really shocked and disappointed Munster fans. So, um, yeah, they picked a good side. Uh, Peter Manny's um, coming back in. David Coyne's come back in. Um, Jack Crowdy, interestingly, is a young 10 with a lot of talent. He's getting an opportunity to start. So, Zeebo as well is, is getting to play. Obviously, haven't been in for a long time. So, I'm really looking forward to seeing how Munster react. Um, and whether they play with a little bit more ambition and uh, and pace uh, tomorrow night, so it should be a, a full blooded Irish provincial. With with also coming to town, obviously sensing maybe an opportunity for a um, a big scalp away from home. An Ulster for whom confidence has to be high. Yeah, Ulster have been brilliant since they lost to Connaughton Naviva, um, going away to Claremont, beating Leinster away. Um, yeah, just been cooking along really nicely, and you know, um, it's great to see Jack McGrath back fit. He's been out for a long time. Uh, now he's he's got enough minutes that he's starting to get some starts and uh, yeah I, I think they're in a good place so um, it should be a, a really good game mm. I think um, 
and expect it to be really tight but really open as well. Yeah, coverage on RT2 television, coverage as well on Radio 1 Extra, which is available through the RT Radio Player app. Um, news today, the EPCR, the organisers of the European club competitions, um, certainly their plan, their intention is for rounds three and four of the Champions and Challenge Cup to go ahead as planned. But like realistically, you would not fancy being a sporting administrator trying to get a tournament finished in the current climate without there being some problems along the way? No, I'd be really sorry for them. I think next weekend, you know, the, the majority of games probably will go ahead. Um, I think any games that are cancelled, they'll make a decision on them and make them 28-0 um, victories for the team who have been less affected by COVID. I, I don't see a, another round of postponements. There's just not enough space in the calendar for that. So um, it's going to be it's going to be tight, but hopefully we could get through it um, in reasonable states, get a, 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 the vast majority of the games played, and 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 I saw salvage this competition, which if it had another round of postponements. Um, I think the credibility of the competition would definitely be in question. Yeah, the integrity certainly would. But there's an awful lot of questions about Montpellier. Their top 14 game this weekend is cancelled. They're due to come to Dublin to face Leinster the following weekend. Um, obviously, there's implications for the Champions Cup. But Andy Farrell, what, three weeks, a month out from a Six Nations, must be looking at that Leinster squad and afraid of his life with them going into the Six Nations severely undercooked. Oh, it's far from ideal. Um it's a, it's a big worry for him and, and when you look at you know, I know you mentioned Toulouse Montpellier being off but the other competitions have managed to play a lot more games than, than the URC um, and obviously with, with Ireland being very much underpinned by a, a large number of Leinster players the fact that Leinster have had such a follow period um, will definitely be a concern but look, let's hope they can, they can get some games in and, and get themselves match fit for Six Nations Bernard, stay safe. Thanks as always. Bernard Jackman with us there. Let's check in once again at the Connacht Airdome. Mayo against Galway in the Connacht League. Back to Angelina. Yeah, we're uh, just waiting for Galway to come back out. They've just uh, come back out, Damien, for the second half of this one. At halftime, Galway lead Mayo 10 points to 7 here at the Connacht Aerodome. Uh, when you were with us, I think it was about, it was the first water break, about 8 points to 6 at that point. Finan Duffy got 4 points from Mayo in that first half. Fergal Boland with 1, Sam Callanan and Frank Irwin all chipping into Mayo's 7-point tally. And for Galway, a good spread of scores from their experienced players. Paul Conroy with 3, Damien Comer with two, Robbie Finnerty with two uh, we also had a score from Desi Keneally, Matty Tierney and Johnny Heaney and that accounted for their 10 point scoreline so Galway ha- did have the better of the exchanges, they deserved that 3 point lead at the half time break and they've just thrown in here for the second half so all to play for, Mayo did keep in touch Finn on Duffy very much the big part of that with his free taking uh, but we'll see how it pans out over the next 35 minutes or so. Angelina thank you very much indeed, Angelina Nugent there Alan thank you for your company, Enjoy that. have thank a good weekend. Blonnet's on the way with the chart show. Our production team tonight, Laura Lee Davis, Taryn O'Sullivan, the programme produced by Ronan Lawler from Damien O'Mara. Until we chat again, good night. Green Farm. Wise and grind as the hustle mindset aren't real. The protein in our chicken is get real. Two.